0: Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing, the show where busy people like you learn how to build substantial passive income while creating wealth for the long term. And now, here's your host, Marco Santarelli.
1: Welcome to Passive Real Estate Investing. I'm your host, Marco Santarelli. You know, Warren Buffett once said, until you can manage your mind, do not expect to manage money. Getting into the field of property investing, your mindset plays a very important role, You need to think like a successful person in order to gain access. People are largely driven by their subconscious and are typically not consciously aware of why they think the way they think or feel the way they feel, such as being angry or being happy. You know, I'm guilty of this from time to time myself. But this is influenced by many factors such as our environment and our surroundings, of course, past events, our education, our memories, values and attitudes, past decisions, and our beliefs but mindset matters. This is the most important concept. And Warren Buffett is correct. You know that without the right mindset, it would be difficult to become a successful investor. So whether you listen to financial gurus or trainers or entrepreneurs, they all say the same thing, that your mindset contributes 60 to 90% of your success. Only the actual number varies depending on who you ask, but the rest is mechanics and knowledge. Do you think that great investors such as Warren Buffett or even Donald Trump think differently than most other people? I'll bet money that they do. I would think you agree with me here. You know, a study was once concluded that if all the wealth in the world was taken away from everybody and then distributed equally to all the people in the world, it would probably take less than 10 years, 10 years, until exactly the same people who had no or little money before would be poor again. And exactly the same people who were rich before would all have their wealth back. Think about that. One of my goals for this show is to learn from some of the people that are very successful out there. I want to talk to successful people. And I wanted to talk to a wide variety of people from the most high profile people, such as one of my most recent guests, Rich Dad advisor, Ken McElroy, to some of the most young, ambitious entrepreneurs in the early years of their real estate investing journey. So my next guest may not be all that young, but he's certainly doing well with his real estate investing. And he's got a great mindset for success after making the decision to leave corporate America for something bigger and more rewarding. So let's hear what he has to say about mindset and real estate investing success. He used to have a corporate day job. Now he's a full-time real estate investor who lives to help others find their way Paul Thompson is turning his personal story of securing 20 plus deals in his first 18 months of investing into an inspiration for everybody else. When Paul realized that the perfect time to start investing was never going to come, he simply jumped in. Now he's doing three deals a month and Paul is able to help himself as well as help others build wealth and passive income with cash flow. Paul, welcome to the show. Marco, thanks for having me. It's great having you on. You have an interesting story. And you know why don't we start there? Tell us how you got started in real estate and how you kind of escaped that corporate America.
0: I was one of the situations where I was a 15-year overnight success. I was in the corporate America world for 17 years altogether, but about 15 years into it, which for me was about three years ago, I just was not finding my job fulfilling. I just felt like I was just a sad sack of meat just kind of slumped over my office chair. I just I was just inundated with so much stuff at work, and I just was not enriched at all. And one summer, I was driving back from about a 10-hour drive from the beach for our beach vacation that we do down in the Gulf. And I just was ticked off, and I couldn't figure out why. And after talking to my wife and hashing things out, I kind of put my finger on the fact that I was realizing that I actually wasn't free. Like I had to go back to work. There was not an option. I had these basically golden handcuffs on. And I realized that, you know, the scales kind of were removed from my eyes as as this drive back home is I have to go back to work on Monday and I don't have the choice not to. My wife is a stay-at-home mom. She doesn't work. My kids were out for vacation. I had the money to stay longer, but I couldn't because I had to go back to work. And what was so ironic about it is I couldn't have asked for another week to even just work remotely uh, because that was against corporate policy. But the company I worked for was a telecommunications company, which creates the very technology that allows this technology to work and the very technology that would have allowed me to work remotely. But that was against corporate policy. And so I, and I just felt vulnerable. I was the only wage earner in my house. And if something happened to my corporate America job, then we would be vulnerable very quickly. So I just looked for a way to find a way out of... I didn't know what would be the right asset at first. I thought maybe I should buy a franchise, start my own business, but then it dawned on me that I can just buy one piece of real estate and just see how it goes for me, just kind of like starting a small business, but it was just one house at a time I would just add to my portfolio as I grew and developed as an investor and learned learned some lessons along the way. I realized that I can grow this to enough where I don't have to work anymore. I can create lean financial independence and have enough passive income to exceed my living expenses.
1: Well, I think the way you felt, a lot of people referred to that as either the hamster wheel or the rat race. They're trapped in a revolving cycle of having to exchange time for income. And that's why they refer to it as earned income. And the IRS refers to it as earned income. And guess what? That earned income not only is taxed at the highest tax rate, but if you don't go to work on Monday morning, like you just said, guess what? That active income stops coming in. You don't have income. And so a good strategy, and I think you're going to probably talk about this, is having multiple sources of income coming in. That's right. The really,
0: really wealthy people create multiple streams of income. And so what's so nice about uh, real estate is there's so many different avenues to do. And But I like single family or small multifamily when you're first getting started. Because it's so intuitive to most of us. It doesn't take as much understanding. You don't have to start a brand new business and create some back office system and all all this complexity. There's so many options now where you can buy properties that are truly passive income streams. And then you just keep stacking them on top of each other. And then someday, maybe you parlay that into something else or you just continue to grow your portfolio. And I can't think of it as pillars of wealth. You stand up, you have your earned income job, you're active, but you want a good mix of active and passive so that you don't have to always spend your time working because then that way you become a capitalist versus being somebody else's human capital.
1: That's right. And so we call that a portfolio of income. And that's just one source of passive income that comes in. And an ideal formula is to actually have three sources of passive income coming in. This was a mentor of mine that showed me this model of having three sources of passive income coming in and you take those profits and you refunnel those back into additional assets that produce income. And then from that, you design your lifestyle. And actually, a lot of people work it backwards. They come up with a lifestyle that they want. They figure out what kind of income they need to support that lifestyle. And then they figure out what kinds of investments and businesses do they need to build around that in order to support that entire Lifestyle that they want to live out and everybody seems to start with an earned income approach where they have a job or they're strapped to a profession, you know, like a doctor or a dentist and they can't get out of that because they are the business. If they stop working, the income stops coming in. So I think you realize that early on and you figured out how to make it work. So tell us about your investing. What did you buy? How are you buying? What have you accomplished in terms of investing? Mm-hmm. For me, I invested in single families in my area, which is Little Rock, Arkansas.
0: And I just happened to live in a market where cash flow is much easier to find than many places, especially in the East Coast or in the West Coast. So what I did is I just went out and bought my first deal was I bought it for $30,000, borrowed that money, and then I put $10,000 of my own money into it. And then I turned around and I refied that back out and got most of my investment back out. That was kind of my proof of concept that, yes, this works. I can buy it for this. I can get a rent for 650. I was able to find a good tenant. I was able to find good contractors and good uh, resources to take care of deals or take care of the problems when I was at work. And so then I would then move on and do that again. And I just continued to just kind of redo that same strategy over and over again. And they came in clumps. If you look at the average, I probably just purchased one per month, but in reality, I would buy like five or 10 in a couple of months and then. Three or four months later, I'd buy another cluster of properties that I found somehow. And so what I think is it's very important, especially when you're first getting started, is the things that you're hearing from all the advice that you're giving, go put it to test. As soon as you learn something, the success comes from the taking the idea into action and then learning somewhere along the way, what is the reality? And when you realize, okay, this is my pro forma expectations of what the expenses were, were too low. <laughs> Maybe I need to adjust my model. So I just like buying little portfolios
1: effectively and putting it out in the field and testing to see if it was and then making adjustments. So just to paint the picture, the properties you're buying, are they all in the forty, fifty, dollars 60000 price range? Or are you buying stuff that is higher priced or worth more?
0: I do go higher price now. As you get a little more experience, you you get better at finding properties and And understanding. And and then you just grow your own access to capital. And so yeah, I prefer actually being in what I would call a B minus or an A minus area, Mm -hmm. someplace where there's a Starbucks nearby, because there I can get a little bit of cash flow. And I also have a better potential for being in the path of progress and getting some appreciation as well.
1: So a lot of my listeners right now are listening to you and they understand that you have chosen to take an active method of investing in real estate. You are out there looking for deals that are underperforming. They're either distressed assets or they're distressed sellers that are looking to unload a property and you're buying it below, maybe far below the after repair value, what would be fair market value after doing a renovation. And, you know, that's just one of what I call the hundred and one ways to make Money at real estate. You know, there's just so many different ways to make money in this industry. So, that is a very smart way to go. And it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense for someone who has some knowledge, but more importantly, the time to do it. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not for or against it. I've done a lot of that myself, and everybody has their preference. Are you doing any kind of passive real estate investing, meaning that you are buying from other people passive rentals? meaning they're rent ready or kind of break it down. How much of it is like active real estate investing? How much is passive? I would say that probably about at this point now, as I mature as an investor,
0: it becomes more and more passive. And when I was first getting started and trying to get it out of my day job, I went very active so I can get a higher return. But that takes a lot of time and effort. And now that I no longer have a day job, I actually spent my time growing another business, which is coaching and consulting and training other people on how to be an investor my real estate now has become more of the passive side. So there, I'm actually doing more of the traditional thing where I'm making offers through the MLS or buying from existing wholesalers or working with similar asset managers like what you have. And I find some of those right here in my my market that are just down the street. And why not just buy a property that's already fully fixed up and I can get a steady, solid return? So I would say that as I grow older and grow more mature in my investing experience, I tend more towards that way because I value my time (laughs) more and more, especially as I get
1: older. Sure. I would imagine there's two kinds of real estate investors. There's those that are in a corporate job or on a career path where they are doing it because they need the income. They don't want to necessarily be working in the job that they're in. And they think about and dream about real estate. And that's just something they work their way into. And then eventually they get to a point where they have enough passive income. They can replace their existing job or earned income. And then they move into real estate investing full time. And that may be a combination of passive investments and a combination of active investments, meaning that they're finding properties, fixing them up, maybe flipping some, maybe keeping some, but ultimately they create a new career in real estate. And Then you've got the other type of person who loves what they do. They enjoy being a professional or performing arts person or whatever it may be, and they just choose to invest on the side in the most passive way possible. I guess for you, (laughs) you went from corporate America not liking it, realizing that this is really a a high risk and dangerous place to be, and you worked your way into a career of investing in real estate for the passive income and it worked out well for you. Do you have any tips or suggestions for people that are maybe thinking about moving into real estate as a full-time job or career?
0: I would say invest in something that you understand. And once you start investing in real estate in a passive way, then you realize that there's a lot of avenues that you can do. Like for example, you could do Airbnb. Some people really enjoy creating that as, and that's a very active way of doing things. But you can take assets that are already there and then you can juice the returns by basically changing markets. So anybody who's looking for more opportunity to increase their returns and want to take a little more active role in their investment strategy, that's when you try and start looking for assets that are underperforming. You do some sort of value add. But I still just do lipstick on a pig type. And I do not rehab. I don't ever swing a hammer myself. I tell people all the time, stop doing that. You're trying to get out of that. I want to invest in the intellectual capital between my ears. And I tell people, every problem can be solved with a check and a phone call. So when you take the attitude, you can still take an active role in finding deals, but you still manage it in a passive way. Once you find and acquire the asset, then it can perform in a passive way like you're associated with. And it's just kind of a choice for you as an investor.
1: How active do you want to be in finding the deal on the front end? Right. Yeah, that's the spectrum that you need to make a decision on. And like I said, some people start on one end of that spectrum and work their way the other way. And some people start on the other end. Right. There's a threshold,
0: right? And you just pick where you want to go and what meets your personal criteria. And if you want to get out I mean, you want to actively create your portfolio, by all means. But if you have a a rewarding, fulfilling job, then continue to invest. But invest with asset managers that are professionals and, and you can buy their business by just buying one of their assets that
1: they've already found for you. Agreed. Agreed. Paul, you talk about building wealth with passive income not being just for the 1%. Can you explain what you mean by that? Yeah. So
0: I think we spend way too much time talking about the 1%. Because the 1% are the truly, truly wealthy people. I prefer to think of it as that 95% of us are in this corporate jail. So by investing in assets that work for you while you sleep and having multiple streams, like what you said, your mentor said, having three different types of investments out there, um, when you go across that bridge, that unsteady bridge to get over there, that's the 3 or 4% that most of us actually want to be a part of. The reality of being a part of this 1%. It's not exclusively meant for them. That's an exception to the rule that we spend way too much time focusing on. There is no hero coming to save you right now, right? There is no shining white knight and you're going to win the lottery. No, you have to like create this stuff for yourself by investing in yourself, by investing in assets that make money for you while you sleep.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. Okay, Paul, tell us about these five things that you talk about, the five things that you can do today to help create a new money mindset. I really love psychology and I like positive thinking and being optimistic and all that stuff. So I'm, I don't have no idea what you're going to say, but I'm really excited to hear about it.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I think psychology really is the answer to probably most of our problems. Anybody that I hear that says, well, I have the psychology down, but I just, I just, for some reason I can't take this action. Well, then you don't have the psychology down yet. The psychology really is 80% of your success. And then the actions you take as a result of your psychology will then yield you your results. So when it comes to the money mindset, is the number one thing is you have to separate the time from money. You hear the phrase all the time that time is equal to money, but I would suggest that that's actually not the case at all. You have to separate this thinking that suggests that somehow I am worth time that I'm I'm worth. You're not sharing somebody, you're not charging somebody for an hour of your time. What you're charging them for is all the wisdom that you've come up to along the way to provide them value. And in that, they will pay you according to your value. And value is subjective. Have you ever heard the ice cream story before? This idea that why would somebody sell a house at a discount or why would somebody do this? We'll just give you a quick example. What is your favorite flavor of ice cream? Probably chocolate. Okay, your favorite flavor of ice cream is chocolate. But what is a flavor of ice cream that you will not eat whatsoever? I don't think that exists. (laughs) Does it not? So what about bacon ice cream? If I give you bacon ice cream, would, would you eat it? Yeah, I'd probably think twice about that one. Okay, so you think twice about bacon ice cream. Okay, well, what if you have two scoops of bacon ice cream and I have one scoop of chocolate? And I offer a trade on that. Is I'll take two scoops of bacon ice cream and you can have my one scoop of chocolate. Would you do that? Would you do that trade? Well, sure. And why would you do that? Because you have more, it's more valuable. You have two whole scoops of ice cream.
1: Well, for me, the value is not in the quantity, the value is in what I'm going to derive or how much I'm going to enjoy that flavor of chocolate. Therefore, value is subjective. When we're thinking about money and the
0: value that we're exchanging with somebody, And we perceive and we project what somebody else wants. That's the flaw. Value is subjective. And so then moving on, what's funny about money is that we don't actually want money. What we want is what money can do for us. And so the the way I like to make this example, Marco, if I gave you this offer, if you could change places with Warren Buffett, right now he's something like 79, 80 years old, but he's one of the richest men in the world. Would you trade places with him? You would have access to all of his wisdom access to all of his capital, access to everything, but you'd be in his body and you could live your life however you wanted to, but you'd be in his body. Would you go for that deal?
1: I would not. Why not? Because time is more valuable for me and the experiences that I have with the time that I have available is more valuable. I'm a firm believer that given my knowledge and time, I can create the wealth that I need. So I wouldn't want to give up years of my life to shortcut that.
0: Right. There's no amount of money that I would exchange 40 years of my life to suddenly become a multi-billionaire and then live, live in an 80-year-old body. Barring some sort of a new development where they'd be able to you know, sustain our lives forever, it just wouldn't not not be a viable relationship. So you don't actually want money. You want what money can do for you. And that can change your psychology. And so this idea that you mentioned earlier was this idea of you build your life that you want and then you go and find money to fill in the gap. You want the life that you want. And then you go figure out a way how to make money around your life. What we get caught up into is this idea that we have to go work and we have to go earning living wage. And then we live our life in the gaps in between. We live for the weekend. We live for the two or three week vacation. And that in the modern day just is not necessary for us to live that way. And so my next point is you have all the money that you truly want for anything that you want badly enough. That is... The greatest lesson that I'll tell anybody that if we get caught up in this chase for money, but when we get it, we don't understand why we want it. We're unhappy when we achieve this millionaire status or credited investor status or whatever it is that we're trying to reach for. We reach the summit of the mountain and then we're not fulfilled and we wonder why. Well, it's because you didn't enjoy the process along the way. But figure out what you want and then go and find the resources to get there. The ultimate resource is not having resources, it's being resourceful.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. It reminds me of the interview I had with Dean Graziosi. I'm sure you know who he is. Mm -hmm. And for anybody new to this podcast that hasn't heard that episode that I did with Dean Graziosi, super powerful. It was all about the millionaire mindset and millionaire habits. And Mm -hmm. one exercise that he does, not just to himself, but to other people, is to ask the question why but go five to seven levels deep when you first answer the question why are you doing what you're doing or why are you trying to achieve a million dollars or why you're trying to do anything when you stop to think about it and you ask the question why and why and why and you keep digging deeper and deeper and deeper you eventually get to the real answer to the question and the emotional components of it and it's very very revealing it's a great exercise But you're right. It's not just the journey, but setting your target as $1 million and making that your goal, that's not really what you're trying to do. You don't want the million dollars just for the sake of having the million dollars. It's what are you going to get out of that? And that's exactly what you're talking about. And you're right. To have a fulfilling life, you have to enjoy what you do. You have to enjoy the journey. And you have to enjoy the destination, whatever that might be. But it's usually not as simple as that 10 million or $1 million or whatever, 50 houses. It's not because of the 50 houses, it's (laughs) what you get out of it. So great point. Great point.
0: Happiness is the pursuit of a worthwhile goal. And if your goal is truly worthwhile and the actual pursuit of it is what makes you happy. Have you ever heard the story about how they had to start making plans for astronauts who were going to go into outer space beforehand? So once you go to the moon, then what? a lot of people go into a depression after they reach astronaut status and go into space and wherever able to walk on the moon, then where else do you go from there? And if you have to come back home and then figure it out, then it can really mess with your psychology. So what they would do is they would have them create plans that were big, audacious goals after they got back from their very unique, special attainment or achievement.
1: Yes. Yes. I've heard that same analogy used with people who um, go to war and come back and, you know, they have Mm. depression. I've heard that with people who go to jail for 10, 20 years and then get out and, you know, their skills are no longer useful and they have no plans for what they're going to do. And they're basically having to start all over again and it becomes very depressing. So yeah, you have to have that journey mapped out. And this is why I'm so big on goals and goal setting and reviewing them every year or every quarter and then revisiting them and rewriting them. It just keeps you focused and keeps you moving forward and it keeps you happy because you see the destination, you can see the horizon, and you enjoy the journey. Mm-hmm. And that, that's happiness. You just described, described the definition of happiness right there, didn't you? I guess. Yeah. I didn't realize I did that. So, <laughs> well, that's cool. There's a book in there probably. Yeah, there might be. Yeah, I think it's already been written though. Mm-hmm. We're talking about mindset and that kind of brings up the topic of like-minded people. And I belong to multiple mastermind groups and I'm a big believer in the concept of the mastermind. And there's different ways to have a mastermind. But, you know, Napoleon Hill was really one of the first people to write about it. Right. Why is finding a tribe of like-minded people important to your success? Well, it's like
0: the old Jim Rohn quote of you're the average of the five people that you're around the most. And if you don't make it a point to constantly upgrade the kind of people that you're spending your time with, you're always going to be like the people who are around you. And they're not like they're bad people. But if they're not goal-oriented and they don't have a growth mindset, then they inadvertently pull you down. So I strongly encourage people... I'm also a member of several mastermind groups. And so I strongly encourage people to reach out and find the most inspiring and wonderful people that you can be around as possible. Whatever your discipline is, or if it's about investing too, it doesn't matter. There's a saying or a quote from Napoleon Hill, and I'm going to paraphrase it, that says, by being a member of a properly run mastermind, you can achieve more in one year than you could achieve by yourself in your entire lifetime. That's the power of being in a properly run mastermind. I don't think I could have ever went out and accomplished the goals that I did without finding other people around me who were trying to do the same thing or finding mentors that could show me the way. And so that's one of the reasons why I started my my own mastermind is because I want to give back to the community and other people who are like me three years ago when they were like I was three years ago. So I could show them a way to take their lives and their investing to the next level if they're interested in being a member of the mastermind that I host.
1: Yeah, a mastermind is very powerful. And I encourage people listening to find or join a mastermind if they can. And it doesn't have to be local to you. It could be online or virtual the masterminds I belong to, we get together in different cities throughout the year and you know we come together and help each other and solve each other's problems and bring in guest speakers and we do all kinds of different things. <clears throat> but mm-hmm. it really is a powerful concept. And funny you mentioned Jim Rohn. I, I love Jim Rohn. Unfortunately, he passed away six, seven years ago, something like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. But I am good friends with his business partner, Kyle Wilson, who's just a super really? stand-up guy. Yes, he's fantastic. But you know, he certainly helped Jim Rohn become as big as he is. Jim Rohn didn't actually like to speak in public, well, if you could believe that.
0: No, uh, I didn't know that. Yeah,
1: very smart man, eloquent speaker, just had a lot of great nuggets of wisdom. But you know, this just proves the whole concept of a mastermind that you can't do it, everything on your own. You're not an expert at everything, so you need to have the right people, the right team of people around you to grow and to get to that next level and and just blossom. And so that's what happened with Jim Rohn. But He's got such great content, and the whole concept of a mastermind is pretty powerful. And it actually amazes me how many people I talk to about a mastermind that don't even know what a mastermind is. So I have to explain it to them. <laughs> and then once, yeah, and then you know when, once they hear it the first time, they go, "Wow, that's a pretty cool idea." I, you know, maybe I need to look into that myself.
0: <clears throat> well, what's so cool now in the modern world is that you don't have to just find people who are in your geographic vicinity with these technology zoom calls or however you do it which is the way i do it with zoom calls Uh, there are people from all over the country and there's some people who are in europe they're part of one of the masterminds that i'm in i mean i have now found friends and developed people of like mind that i don't know if i would have ever found on my own prior to the
1: technology yeah i can believe it let's kind of wrap up with a couple things here going off on a tangent before we started recording here, we got into a very, very quick conversation about different modes of real estate investing. I don't know if uh, it's something you want to touch on here, but I just thought it was an interesting thing. Sure. There's, we all go through stages of life, but we also go through stages of, of our investing. So when
0: you first start, most people, you're in acquisition mode. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to acquire as many assets as possible. And you may have different goals for that. One might be cash flow or one might be capital appreciation. But then as you mature and gain a certain level of success, then you go into the next stage, which is you go into you wanna kind of steady things out. And so you need less cash flow. But now you want things like tax advantages, and now you want things like true capital appreciation. And so for a single family point of view, you may not be as concerned about the cash flow. You might just be happy with a five or six percent return. But then you want to be in properties that you have are in markets where you believe that there's a high degree or high chance of capital appreciation. now that's one of the benefits of Kind of shopping the market. My model is I, I'm in Little Rock and I'm I'm all in on Little Rock. But there will be a stage when I'm going to branch out and I'm going to go to other markets where I can go and get the appreciation play, which is not as easy to do here in here in Little Rock because we're a very linear market. Then you want to like preserve your wealth. Once you've built wealth, you want to preserve it. And so at that point, you go into a more of a diversity play, and that way you don't want to be all in on any one thing. And each of these steps might be five or these modes, as you call it, it might be five or 10 year stages. But once you hit a certain stage, you kind of adjust your strategy. And the last stage is you're kind of in an ender stage. At this point in that season in life, when you're at the end of your lifespan, uh, you're trying to create a legacy. You're trying to delegate out and dispense out with the most attacks advantage way what your assets are, so you're doing all these really creative tax strategies that I've heard you and your guests talk about. Especially once you get towards the end of your earning career and your and your the the health of your of your body, now you're thinking about what can I do for the generations behind me, and that's that last ender stage of the modes of real estate that you call it.
1: Right, right, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love the progression too. I use the same terminology in terms of acquisition, so that's great. Last question, so. You were talking about three different investments that you can make right away to kind of set you up for future wealth. Can you just talk about those three? And I think that would be a great ending point. Sure. It always starts with investing in yourself, no matter how old you
0: are or how far along you are in your investment or your investment stages, or modes, you always have to be learning and adapting to what's happening in the real world. So I always tell people if I could give somebody... Four words of advice is always invest in yourself. So that's number one. And two, the different things that you can invest in is you want to invest in your network. This idea of branching out to people who are like you, this is very similar to the mastermind concept, whether it's a mastermind or not, just networking, being out and networking with purpose to actually find people who are interesting, who are engaging. You just never know what's going to happen by going to a conference or by getting to know somebody and really understanding. And I always like to ask the question, what is your biggest challenge right now? And you will be surprised how many people just, oh, you know what, I've never had anybody ask me that before. You seem to really care about what I'm doing because you're asking about my challenges. So that's another investment that I consider is that, number two. And number three is this idea of just investing for your future. What can you do to help enrich somebody else? If once you've invested in yourself and you've invested in people around you, what can you do to help empower other people? Who can you enrich? And that's the ultimate benefit in the world. And there is actually evidence that suggests that as you enrich people around you, you become more enriched. There's just like this feedback loop. And I don't know the mechanics of it, but there's actually been studies that show that like you, if you, for every $1,000 get, you get, you get like a 1083 back or something.
1: Yeah, I believe it. Makes me think of what Zig Ziglar used to say. I'm paraphrasing here, of course, but you can have everything in the world that you want as long as you help enough other people get what they want. So it's putting other yep. people first. It's very That's powerful. Right. Yeah. Very cool, Paul. This has been very, uh, very enlightening. I, I like the psychological aspect of investing in real estate and just personal development and growth. So this is kind of a nice bridge into you know the mental game as it relates to investing in real estate. Tell us about what you do, and then uh, tell our listeners how they can find more about you and and, and your services. Sure thing.
0: Yeah. So. I am a full time investor. And so I, I always will invest and, and do invest, but I'm actually gr- growing pillars of income and pillars of businesses. And the other aspect I want to do is I want to help as many other people achieve financial independence or escape the rat race or escape from the matrix, as I call it. And the way, if you want to engage in that and figure out how you might be able to work with me, is you can go to slash passive REI. And that's set up specifically for all of your listeners, Marco. And if they want to engage with me, they're interested in a mastermind engagement or they just want a free giveaway. I have a free giveaway out there for everybody who wants to listen. And I'm an open book. I'll help whoever I can, however I can.
1: All right. So repeat that one more time. The domain name. That's pauldavidthompson.com slash passive REI. Okay. And we'll make sure that gets put in the show notes so it's easy to find. Right on. Any uh, any last thing you want to share with our listeners before we wrap up here, Paul?
0: Well, I want to thank you so much, Marco, for having me on there. I I feel like I am sometimes you get a little bit of um doubt as to whether or not you've made it in life and when I have the opportunity to be on such a prestigious podcast as this, I feel like I'm doing something right. So I appreciate the invitation.
1: <laughs> well I really appreciate you saying that, Paula. And it's a pleasure having you on as a guest. Well that's great. So thanks for your time. We're gonna have all this transcribed into the show notes so people won't miss anything from a textual point of view. And again, thanks for coming on. Marco, thanks for having me. Once again, thanks for listening. If you haven't downloaded the free report I created called The Ultimate Guide to Passive Real Estate Investing, I encourage you to do so. And you can do that from either one of our websites. Just go to PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com or to our property website at NoradaRealEstate.com and download that free report. It is a great primer. It's 40-some pages and it's chock full of great content to help you invest or improve your investing and take you from good to great. If you are ready to have a conversation, we offer free strategy sessions. Just call up one of our investment counselors, or you don't even need to call. Just go to our website and fill out the form, and one of them will follow up with you. And do you have a question about real estate investing? Well, guess what? I may have an answer. I can't promise you, but I may. So just ask Marco, and you can do that by clicking Ask Marco on our website at Passive Real estate Investing. And if you haven't already done so, please remember to subscribe and we would love a rating and review on iTunes. I appreciate everybody who has done that. We're over six hundred star reviews and I want to thank you so much for that. But it also helps us spread the word and it keeps us high in the iTunes rankings so we can share the word with more people. And last but not least, thanks for listening. I appreciate you very much and we'll see you on our next episode.